and welcome back. So today we're doing something a little different. Um, today I have Ivan, who's been my special guest throughout the segment, I mean throughout podcast series. But today he is going to be uh, hosting this because I have a new guest. And we are delving into something very different from what we've been coming up with for the last uh, few weeks. But it's only because um, it fits what we ended last week with Brian talking about um, uh, Lord Jesus, our Christ, our Savior. Um, we are uh, bridging in after his uh, testimony with my new guest, our new guest. And um, as always, you all now know who Ivan is. But hi, Ivan. How are you? Hello, Dilhani. I'm good. I'm excited to be hosting this episode because I identify as bisexual. So I'm excited to see another person's experience with religion and sexuality. And Ivan, do you want to introduce our new guest? Because this is a little different from what we started. So our new guest, her first time on the podcast, her name is Jennifer. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Give us a little background. Awesome. Well, my name's Jennifer. Um, I'm originally from West Oakland, California, so right across the bay from San Francisco, California. Um, I guess a little bit about me is that I, too, um, once identified with the LGBT um, community. Uh, for the longest time as a child going into my teenage years, I just really identified as lesbian. And then right before going into the military, into the army to be exact, I then started to identify as bisexual. And with that, um, ran into a lot of issues within, um, you know, the, uh, the black community, ran into a lot of issues within the LGBT community as I was a stud, which means I dressed more masculine, I looked more masculine, and that was kind of interestingly taboo to be a stud and even have an attraction to men or even like men because we were supposed to not like them. Um, we were supposed to be them. So um, in my opinion, I should say, in my opinion, that's how it felt for me growing up. Um, so yeah, that's a bit about me. So I think it's interesting that you said that you first identified as a lesbian mm -hmm. because as you said, you were more traditionally masculine, like more tomboyish. So how in your experience what was it like realizing that you were a masculine woman and then realizing that you also liked men well for me there was a lot of um there was a lot of confusion a lot of confusion surrounding that um i grew up in the mid to late 90s so around that time there wouldn't have been too much in the media Um, supporting the LGBT community. There wasn't a lot out there. There was a lot of confusion. Um, there was a lot of searching I had to do to find anything about being a lesbian, being a woman who liked women. Um, so there was a lot of, uh, I guess, sexual identity confusion as well, like or, or, or just gender identity confusion. Um, because My sexuality was one thing, my attraction, but then I there was a, a connection that was being made psychologically to, well, then if I'm attracted to this, then I need to become this. Um, I need to become a man. I need to become more masculine because 
of what, uh, you know, is traditionally said about, okay, well, if I'm attracted to women, then that means I must be a man on the inside. That must be the, the, the thing. But after a while, I realized, no, you don't have to be a man to be attracted to women. You can just be attracted to women. You know, I did, I've, I've done my due diligence on searching about, you know, sex change operations back in the early 2000s and everything like that. Like, that was something that I was considering, but it took a, a second for me to reel myself back in and say, no, that's not, that's not what that means. Those two things don't necessarily, they don't necessarily jive or intertwine. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, you were previously married, right? Yes, that's a bit about me too. So I was previously married. Um, I was in a uh, monogamous relationship for eight and a half years with my ex-wife. Uh, we were married for four of those years um, together. So half of that, we were, you know, just in a relationship or dating or what have you, living together. And then the other four, we were married. What was your religious background? Um Maybe before you were married or during your marriage with a woman or when you still identified with the LGBT? Well, my religious background, I was raised Baptist Christian. So um, as a child, I went to church and everything like that uh, with my grandmother, made sure that we went. And then I'd say probably around my early teens or so. I stopped going because my grandfather didn't go. So I was like, well, if Papa doesn't go, why do I have to go? You know, um, and that was even still before I started having the attraction feelings to women. And so um, around my teenage years with one of my first girlfriends, her family would go to church or at least her mom would go to church and take them to church. So then. I was just like, well, if my girlfriend's going to church, then I'm about to go to church because, you know, that's one more day of the week where I get to hang out with her. So um, so it was like, you know, I'm going to go. But of course, as a teenager, you kind of sort of understand what's being preached from the pulpit. Um, you don't really search too deep because some churches don't they don't encourage you to dive into your word for yourself. And that is probably mo the most dangerous way to pastor a church, the most dangerous way to lead a flock is if you don't encourage people to get the word of God within them themselves, then they're going to take whatever you say as a human being from the pulpit at face value, and it can destroy lives. And for me, it was definitely detrimental because all I heard was hellfire and brimstone, but I didn't read for myself to find out about the love and the uh, rehabilitation and the... Um, redemption of Christ. So yeah, I, I, I grew up Baptist and that, that church I went to as a teenager was Baptist. And um, it was it was a love-hate relationship with God for a very long time. During my marriage, same thing. I didn't really, I didn't seek him until I needed to. And that was about um, a few months after our marriage where I sought the Lord because I was about to have to get a fibroid surgery and stuff like that. As soon as we got married, we started talking about kids. I was going to be the one to carry the kids. And as soon as we finally decided like, okay, we're going to start seeking doctors and stuff like that for in vitro and all this kind of stuff. All of a sudden I had a fibroid that was the size of like 10 centimeters that they said would have taken five years to grow. And because of how large it was, I should have been experiencing all of the pain and the issues that I was experiencing then. 
I should have been experiencing them over the years, but it didn't happen until. And so for me, that I remember riding in the back seat of the car, headed to the ER, and just praying to God and saying, you know what, God, um, because a, a little sidetrack to that, right before we got married, I got ordained online with the Universal Life Church because it was so easy to do. And I started thinking in my head, oh my goodness, I'm doing something that's so, you know, I know what it means to be ordained and to, like, why am I doing this? And I felt like that was the initial drawing of God saying, okay, like, I got her because her brain's starting to think about me. And when I was in that back seat, I started praying to God. I said, if you get me through this, if you get me through this pain, through the surgery, I'll serve you. But still there was a confusion because I want to serve you, but I want to serve you as a wife to my wife, as, you know, a, a bisexual. My ex-wife used to hate me even identifying as bisexual, but as a, as a bisexual, I want to serve you and I want to bring the people from the LGBT community because I could feel the love of God. So I'm like, I know that this should be, this should be okay. And then, you know, that just, but that's leading into another question that you're going to have. So then, yeah, so. That's, that's pretty much how my relationship with Christ was <laughs> over the years. So your relationship was going really, really serious. You were trying to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So you found God through the love and excitement that you had for your ex-wife at the time. Um, like you were, you know, you were praying and you were trying to, to bring in um, people from the LGBT into Christianity. Um, do you, back then, did you believe and has it changed? Um, does God exist in the love that a same-sex relationship couple has? Oh, we're skipping right to number seven. Um, (laughs) that's fine. Um, because it needs to be addressed. The thing with trying to, I guess, bring God into something, right? When I got married, I did not get married in a church. I made it very clear to my wife that we should not get married in a church um, because I there were certain things that I knew, there were certain things that I understood, and there were certain things that I didn't understand initially. Now, when I say that I was praying to God in the back of a car uh, because of pain and because I wanted to live and everything like that, even in just saying that and reciting that, you can hear that that has nothing to do with her. That has everything to do with my selfish nature as a human being. Because there are a lot of people who have a tendency to, if they are on the brink of death, you'll call out to God. You'll call out to any deity that you've ever heard of in your whole life right you'll you'll start trying you'll start trying to um (laughs) trying to barter and and make some kind of you know what i mean make some kind of of a bargain so that way you can live right because you think that you can go ahead and manipulate like i'm gonna serve you god like i'm gonna do there are plenty of people who say that they come out of something and then they go right back to whatever it is that they've been that they've been doing right um i pretty much let you know that that part but the part that came after when I actually got through the surgery and I actually started studying um because that was my initial thought in the that was my initial thought in the car like I'm going to bring you know like this is going to be awesome but then when you start the bible study and you actually see the truth of the word now it's like 
I had friends who would say, oh, that's awesome. Like you're going to be, you've been doing Bible study and I can see a change in you and you look so awesome. And now we're going to have a, you know, a lesbian or bisexual pastor out there that's going to be telling people, you know, that's going to be great. And I would say, uh, like, you're not going to like what it is I have to say, because if I'm going to preach, I have to preach the truth. And the truth is that we're sinners. So I don't know what to tell you. So when you ask me, does God exist in the love of a same sex the, the the love that a same-sex couple feels then I have to start looking at like when I saw these I started had to start looking at the definitions of love and what types of love there are and all this kind of stuff there's love that is a, a strong attraction or, or affection for someone um, there's a love that God feels for us that's unconditional that it's not like any love that any any person on earth actually feels um, when it comes down to it I feel like the love that a same-sex couple feels is that strong, passionate affection and, and attraction, right? But the agape love that Christ had for us, the, the love to lay down your life for someone, the unconditional love that God feels, I feel like we as human beings, regardless if it's man and woman or woman and woman or man and man, we still struggle with that type of love. So, yeah, as far as I feel like God's love exists for each of the people in that relationship but is God going to bless that love that they feel that fleshly love that 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 love that is built on sand and not the solid rock I in my opinion I have to say that he that it cannot be blessed if it is not if it is not of him like it's a it's sinful in nature so then how can you get you get what I'm saying that's yeah so when you were in the back of the car praying to God mm -hmm. um Did God answer your prayer? Are you able to give birth or what what ended up happening with your with your marriage after that? Um we actually I had the surgery and I chose the option to where I would be able to give birth and everything like that. But afterwards everything started to just kind of fall apart for us. It was like we got through I had to wait like about six or seven months to have the fibroid surgery. I started um, smoking weed every day because that was the only thing that I could smoke because I have a history of alcoholism. I have a history of, of, of um, popping pills and everything like that. So I couldn't take the regular kind of medication that I needed to take. So marijuana was the next, you know, option, especially in California. It worked out. Um, and then after the surgery, I started doing my Bible studies and everything like that, which then changed my whole <laughs> changed my whole perception on stuff. There was like a really long period of time where we didn't have any kind of sexual intimacy because I was just like, I, okay, I want to I wanna honor God, but I'm still married to you and I want to honor you as my wife because I'm supposed to honor my wife and I'm supposed to leave my parents and, and cleave. And there was a, a melding of the word of God and my own wants and my own desires, right? And so we didn't have any kids. Um, every time we spoke about it and I said, well, I want to have a kid traditionally, which means I need to have sex with a man. She was like, no, 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 no. Because she prided herself as being a gold star lesbian who never touched a man, who never had a man touch her. And the fact that I had was just kind of, it was, it was pretty much disgusting to her, but she, you know, she kind of sort of dealt with it and she always said well you're a liar because you didn't tell me that you were bisexual when we met you know I just assumed that well you assumed you assumed why would you assume that you know so yeah we I I don't know what was the question goodness gracious 
<laughs> so the question was, um, did God answer your prayer? Yeah, did God answer your prayer? Um, as far as getting me through, yes. He he got me through because I said, if you get me through this, God, I'll serve you. So the issue wasn't so much of him holding up his end of the bargain, but it was me wanting to hold up my end of the bargain, but also wanting my life. Right. You we we want to we want God to answer us. and We want God to do for us. But he's not a genie. He's he's God. You know, um, there are plenty of scriptures where I'll, I'll probably touch on that. Um, you know, in a few, when we get to get to that, but yeah, I was looking for him to just take care of me and then I was going to serve him how I saw fit, but you can't just do that. And, um, so I would say, yes, he held up his end of the bargain and then, um, and then I kind of held up mine and then I reneged on it and went back and I was just like, well, I'm going to honor my wife. I'm going to stay with my wife because eventually I had to be sexually intimate with her because she was like, you're my wife and you're not going to do this to me and we're not going to get a divorce. We just got married. So we're, we're sticking this out. We're going to be together forever. And so I said, sorry, God, I choose her. So, yeah. So as a bisexual person myself, I can confirm that bisexuality is... I feel a minority within a minority. Like, I feel like we're outcasted from even the LGBT. Um, so when you said that you chose your wife over God, how was your relationship with your wife and God at that time when you chose her over, over God? It was really good, actually. It was like I was... I was a different person um, because I, I had stopped drinking. I had actually stopped smoking. I had stopped all of these things, all these vices that I had. Um, I lost a lot of weight. I, I was just, everyone who saw me would say, oh, you're glowing, all this kind of stuff, right? Um, and I was treating her better, you know? I was treating her better. I was trying to share with her what I was reading, but... She wasn't really trying to hear it. She was just like, nope, nope, you do your thing. I'm not going to stand in the way of your faith. You know, you just do you just do what you're going to do. Me and God have our own understanding. And um, and I was I mean, everything was just was just better. <laughs> um, and then came the, you know, well, I tried to explain to her why it is that we weren't being intimate. And she was like, OK, well, okay she was okay with it for a while because she was like a workaholic so she would be at work all the time anyway but I think she had like a vacation or something come up and so then she was home for an extended period of time and then when that was when we started butting heads and she had to you know she came against what it was that I was believing and that's where that's where it got shaky because it was just like well I'm telling you that I can't do this and that I love you I'm gonna stay with you but you're not gonna respect this and 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 I couldn't I couldn't have both. You couldn't, I couldn't have both. There was no, there was no being on the fence. There was no, um, there was no having both, having your cake and eating it too. It was, you choose one or the other. Revelation says, you know, um, when he speaks about the church, that's lukewarm. Um, you know, you're lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. You know, you, I'd rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold, but lukewarm, you're trying to have, you can't, you can't. So, um, I chose, you know, we were intimate. Um, I cried after she told me I made her feel dirty because I cried after and started praying. 
And the next few days, I just started praying and trying to figure out, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And yeah, I ended up choosing her because I'm just like, well, we're not going anywhere. So this is, you know, I'm just going to live my life. You know, maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's not meant to be. Maybe I'm just, you know, supposed to do this. And then three years later, <laughs> it was it. It was over. She she wanted a divorce. So, yeah. So even when you when you chose your wife over God, you still felt a calling from God. And that's do you think that um, that calling from God is that what triggered the divorce? When- not at all. Not at all. The calling from God did not trigger the divorce. What triggered the divorce was um, within that, my infidelity, right? Within that eight and a half years of being together, within the first three years, I think, there were a lot of things going on within our household, right? Um, I still try not to try and justify why I did what I did. Um, I wasn't uh, I wasn't sexually unfaithful. I kissed a classmate when we were in, when I was in college and stuff like that. So that was six years before the actual divorce so that was probably what like about two two years into our dating so um two years into our dating a lot of things going on I was a cocky person I was very conceited uh very into myself and I was doing very well in school like I said she worked a lot and a lot of these issues happening at home too with her family being there with us and I kissed a classmate Now, when she asked me about her or or was talking about it, I blamed the classmate. I said, the classmate kissed me and all this kind of stuff. And so that's what she believed. Then I got really sick um, with like pneumonia or something like that. And I was in the hospital and I was just like, Lord, I'm about to die. Like, this is it. Like, I need to tell her the truth. And she was talking about the girl and saying all these bad things about her. I said, you know what? I did that. You know, I'm thinking we're four years into marriage. Like this is this happened before we got married. Like we're we're solid. We're good. We're happy together. And all of a sudden, it just turned into, I can never trust you, and I don't want to be with you anymore. Get out. Like, you know, I want a divorce. And I'm just like, that was like six six years ago. It was just a kiss. We've been married happily for four years. We're good to go. Like, I don't understand. Like, shouldn't we do counseling? Shouldn't we try and reconcile? Shouldn't we try and figure out how to make this work? Because this is marriage this marriage right well I felt like we were married before no 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 no. that's not how that works we were just living together before we weren't married and so all these things kind of sort of started showing I actually ended up in the hospital a few days after she kicked me out for suicidal ideation um, at the VA hospital in California um, at Travis Air Force Base Um, and it was It was very interesting because the night before I went to the hospital and I told my aunt that I wanted to kill myself and I needed to go to the emergency room, she prayed for me. And that was the really like the first time that God had even entered the picture or whatever, like been brought up since I stopped like three years prior. And um, she prayed for me and she prayed for me to have peace. And I experienced a peace like I've never felt any other time that I've tried to kill myself or wanted to die. That was the very first time. And I remember being so upset because I was just like, this crazy lady just prayed for me and I don't need God. I need an emergency room because I want to kill myself. I need something practical, something tangible, right? And um, I remember being in the psych ward that whole weekend, just telling everybody like, you know, I'm in here because I'm supposedly crazy, but she prayed over me. 
Like, you know, I mean, I felt peace. I was fine all night, but still she prayed for me. And I didn't even realize that that was the beginning of me sharing a testimony of God's love. That was my first time, like, really just sharing and talking about him without even realizing that I was doing it. And um, that's when he drew me. It wasn't, it wasn't during the divorce situation. It was after, the aftermath of it, where it was like, okay, now she's walked, now she's, she can't go back to this. She can't go back to this idol of love because my wife was an idol. I thought I couldn't live without her. That's why I wanted to die. She severed from it. Now the work begins. And it still took about two to three months before I even stepped foot into a church to even really give my life to Christ. So you definitely believe that no matter how someone identifies with what sexual orientation, God still hears everyone and he tries to save everyone, regardless of sexuality. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I believe that God draws us, right? God draws us through Jesus Christ. And the thing is, is that when Jesus died on the cross, right? And it, it says in it says right here in this, this good book, when he died on the cross, he died for everyone on this planet. It wasn't just the Jews. It wasn't just Israel. It was everyone. It was to cover everyone's sin, right? The issue I think that we face is that if we don't recognize our sin nature, <laughs> if we don't recognize our need for a savior, then we can't be saved because we're within ourselves just thinking, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Like, why do I need a savior? Why does someone have to? And it's, it's sad because he died so that way you could be close to him. You could be close to the father, right? Um, I don't even know how else to, how else to express it. Like there's, he loves us all. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have given his son for that. There's a scripture for that too. And I'll probably just read off a bunch of scriptures in the end and just kind of sort of let you know, like what they reference when I do. Um, but there, there's, he, you know, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. John 3.16, it's one that's very common and very popular, and we put it on all these kind of things, but I don't think that a lot of people understand what that truly means, you know? So what do you think it is about same-sex relationships that makes them sinful? Well, the, things that, the thing that makes, um, and I know that your listeners can't see this, right, but there are some things that I, I circled and kind of highlighted on the list of questions. Um, and really <clears throat> it's homosexuality, right. In and of itself. Right. And homosexuality in and of itself is an act. Right. And it's a sin that's con condemned. Right. There's no, um, one of the things that helped me in my, um, in my walk with Christ, um, and I hope you don't mind. I'm gonna. I'm about to answer a different question um, along with this, but there's a question here, guys, that says, "Did you still identify as LGBT when you first became a Christian?" Yes, I did, um, because I was. I went into that church, and I think I said this too before we even decided that we were gonna do this, uh, like a, a few, uh, like a week ago or so. I said I walked into that church looking for me a woman of God. Because I was like, I need to replace this, you know, this wife that doesn't <laughs> doesn't honor marriage. You know what I mean? I'm like, I need I need me a woman of God that understands the sovereignty of marriage and how important it is. And um, and is going to, you know, reconcile if we're like, she's not going to just let it go by the wayside. 
And that's how I was thinking because I was still human walking through the door and I didn't understand yet. And so once I started doing Bible study, once I got into that, that understanding of, that understanding of, um, of his love for me and what that means, because if he loved me first and I love God back, then there's, you know, the reasonable act is, is self-sacrifice is to live by his word, to follow his commands. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll follow my commands, right? Um, homosexuality or man lying with man is with womankind is listed right there in Leviticus 18, along with incest, along with bestiality, along with all of these other sexual acts that the Lord, you know, frowns upon that he deems morally wrong. And I believe I said before that um, right there at the end of Leviticus 18, it says, you know, all of the nations around you are doing these things, right? They've defiled the land with these acts, right? And I, the Lord, your God, am telling you not to. Now, that just means that we are set apart. Once we accept Christ, once we give our lives to the Lord, we are to be set apart. We are supposed to live differently, right? Which then means we are to follow his commands. We're supposed to learn his statutes and all that kind of stuff. And we're supposed to begin the process of sanctification to become holy because the only way to be near to a holy God is to become as holy as possible. But the weight of that is erased by the blood of Christ. So it shouldn't be a like hard thing or a detriment. It should just be reasonable service that I love you and I understand how important it is, how, how important my salvation was to you that you gave your son. So this is what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up my cross and bear it. So you mentioned that homosexuality itself is an act, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so now you don't practice homosexuality, but do you still identify as bisexual without practicing the, the homosexual side of it? You know, when I think about it and I'm trying to think about, um, like I, I also put on this paper that like the word identity and identified or some variation of it was used about five times in the line of questioning. And I feel like I, I had said before, and I'll say um, again, not today, not on this, but identity is a very big proponent of spiritual warfare, I believe. I personally believe that if you can come against our God-given identity, who God created us to be, uh, to worship him, to love him. Um, of course, we have that free will because we need to choose to do so. But when you come against identity and just who we are, um, it, it breaks apart so much. And so I actually stopped identifying as LGBT, um, I think, in around December of 2019. Um, I, I, I try so hard not to say, you know, oh, I'm bisexual, right? It's still a work in progress because I'm so used to it. Like growing up, that's just what I know. Oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm identifying by what my sexual proclivities are. Um, but we're so much more. We're so much more than just an attraction. We're so much more than who we have sex with. Sex with. It. It comes down to the fact that sexual immorality in and of itself, 
whether you be homosexual, whether you be someone who practices um, pedophilia, whether you're someone who <clears throat> has sex before marriage, whether you're someone who, um, well, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just like all the all the other sexual deviance, deviances that are out there, because the only thing that was God created and the gift of sex given by God was meant to be within the confines of a covenant marriage, right? One man, one woman. That's how it, that's how it was, that's how it was created. That's how it was meant to be. And so anything outside of that covenant, right, where it's pleasing and it's an act of worship before God, any of that is sexual immorality. So I, I try to answer your question, I try not to identify as bisexual. I try to um, recognize that I, you know, I just want to do what is pleasing to the Lord, whether that be, um, you know, since I have an attraction to men, it helps a bit because I'm like, oh, I'd love to be married and stuff because I want that companionship. I want that closeness. But at the same time, God's will be done. So if I don't get married, if I don't find that man that can actually stand my past you know because he's going to be human too god forgets as you're washed clean as you confess and everything like that but man has struggles with that so um yeah i don't i don't like to try and say oh well now i identify as straight no i i just identify as redeemed i don't know you know because when you play into that game of (laughs) of oh i'm this or i'm that I feel like the enemy can then sneak in and start saying, well, then if you identify as this, then were you ever really that? Or if you identify as this, no, 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 we're not about to play with my identity anymore Then you played with it for 32 years. We're not going to do that. So it's just, it just, I just am. I am a child of God now, redeemed by the blood of Christ. And if I be married, then I'll be a wife. Um, if I not be married, then I'm still a daughter of a king. Okay, I think this is a very thorough interview. Um, I think you've answered all my questions. Um, do you have any questions yourself? Um, no, actually, that was very impactful, very powerful. Thank you for sharing, Jennifer. Thank you, Ivan, for hosting it. And um, this has been amazing. Uh, I'm very grateful and thankful for you for sharing, and uh, you as well, Ivan. Um, just before I end it, uh, is there anything that you want to say to the listeners out there? I'll tell you what. I have one scripture because I know that we're pressed for time. I'm going to give the rest of these to the honey so that way she can, if she you know, wants to post them underneath Actually, this. You, you don't have time. So if you want to share oh, a couple, sure. that would yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah there's a... Um, there's a scripture i'm trying to make sure that i make that i that i actually say the ones that that are um, really important right so first john 2 15 through 17 in the new living translation states um do not love this world nor the things it offers you for when you love the world you do not have the love of the father in you for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Right? And then, um, 
one that has given me strength in even being someone who would share this testimony and come against so much, you know, just <laughs> come against society hard um, and not have any worry about it is Matthew seven thirteen through 14 <clears throat> in the New King James Version that says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Um, there's one more and it speaks about. Let me actually let me actually read you this one. Um, Romans 8, 1 to 2 in the NASB 1995 version. There is therefore therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. And Romans is just a really good book to read, guys, um, as you're struggling with whatever, whatever it is you're coming out of, whatever it is that God is trying to convict you or and, and, and get you to turn away from, to turn to him more fully. Romans is a really good book for that because it just it, it talks about sin. It talks about our sin nature. It talks about all the things that we may we may want to go towards and the things of the world that we're used to. But just because we're used to them does not mean that they're right in the sight of God. Um, just because they feel comfortable doesn't mean that they're right in the sight of God. Um, and which one there's. Uh, I really want to. Hmm. I'm sorry, though, honey. Give me one second. I want I want to give you guys hope on this do, 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 do. nope <laughs> good job phone um just want to give you guys hope on this let me see I know I can new creation here we go <laughs> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's that's pretty much where I am. That's where I, I slowly progressed to um, after December 2019. Um, really, after December 2018 was when I started realizing, like, I have to choose God fully seek after him with everything that I have with my whole heart not just a part of it but all of it and if that means that I have to die to self every day um, then that's what it means because he's my king he's my lord he's my savior he's the lover of my soul and that love is far more valuable than any love on this planet absolutely in my opinion so much that was pretty powerful to end with all things are new and we've started a new segment how fitting well with this i am going to end the segment today and if you guys have any questions feel free to reach out to me and i will forward it to jennifer or ivan and um, we do have more coming up and ivan and i have something planned uh not giving away what we have coming up but if anything always feel free to reach out to us even on our previous segments questions on our previous segments 
And with that, I say take care and I will see you again soon. Bye.